This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Promises Behavioral Health. If you're struggling through the pains of alcohol or drug addiction or a mental health disorder, now's the time to seek the help that you need. Let this be an opportunity to get back on track, to get back to finding the real you. You're not alone and Promises Behavioral Health is here and they can help you. Now, we've worked with Promises for years. We know their teams personally. We have great relationships with them. And most importantly, we trust Promises and so can you. To learn more about Promises treatment options near you, for you, or your loved one, here's what you can do. You can go to promises.com slash sober guy. That's promises.com slash sober guy. Or you can call 888-205-1890. That's 888-205-1890. Tell them that you heard about them from That Sober Guy podcast. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Ramey. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help dudes quit drinking and kick bad habits. If it's your first time listening, welcome. So glad that you're here today. Shout out to Humans, Humans Music. Loving the intro tunes here, as always. Happy Father's Day. A huge shout of love and gratitude to all you dads out there who are dadding so hard, doing your best, working to improve yourselves so that you can be the best version of yourself for your kids and your families. It's not an easy job. I know that from firsthand experience. And at the same time, it's one of the most rewarding, one of the most challenging at times, but I'm so grateful for it fathers dads out there is so important and that's why today's episode is titled why your kids need a sober dad and i actually recorded this back at the end of 2019 but it's still so relevant today and it's one of the most downloaded episodes uh, on that sober guy podcast so i thought it would be great to re-release it for father's day before we do that you can find all of our resources like our free 10-day guide to help jumpstart your life without alcohol our 30-day Quit Drinking Dude Challenge is 30 podcasts in 30 days, coupled with exercises and accountability to help get you 30 days alcohol-free. Uh, you can f- you can join our Sober Guy Men's Crew. You can find more podcasts, meetings, resources, all kinds of good stuff by going to thatsoberguy.com. Once again, that's thatsoberguy.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at thatsoberguypodcast. And all the links from today's podcast will be in the show notes, so they're easy to find. Now, before we get to the podcast, I just I wanted to start very br- briefly with an I believe statement, and I want you guys to listen up and feel me here when I say this, okay? I believe that every single one of you, regardless if you struggle with alcohol or another addiction or another bad habit, which we all do, I believe you deserve to know your self-worth and to have the confidence to accomplish all the things you know you were born to do. I believe that every man can discover and become everything you ever wanted to be. You can do this. You can do this. But you have to let go. You have to be okay with asking for some help. And you have to take direction. And you have to be willing and open to grow 
and learn. If you want me to help you quit drinking or kick bad habits so you can gain that confidence, find that purpose, become a better father, a better husband, a better man, go to thatsoberguy.com, hit the contact button, and send me a message. I'd love to chat with you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, Why Your Kids Need a Sober Dad. And once again, happy Father's Day. You have a great responsibility as a father, and I know you're going to do an amazing job. Today's message is titled, Why Your Kids Need a Sober Dad. And uh, let me say this, there's nothing better than being a sober dad. Uh, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. That said... Some days being a sober dad is challenging to say the least. Just being a dad in general is challenging to say the least, right? Uh, But sometimes that little voice still says, Shane, how great would it be to just crack a few beers right now? Tie on a healthy one. Let it all just float away. It's definitely a thought that occasionally passes through this cranium up here. And uh, that's exactly what I... Uh, Let it do. I acknowledge it. I let it pass through. And then I tell somebody about it. And uh, because I don't, I don't need alcohol anymore to deal with life. I don't need alcohol to deal with work. I don't need alcohol to deal with my kids. I feel like alcohol is the easy way out. I feel like drinking is the easy way out. Let me just, let me just disconnect. I feel like excessive usage of alcohol is weak. Weak sauce. I do. I feel like there's an intention to weaken families and disconnect fathers from their kids through alcoholism and addiction. And it's time as men, we step up, straight up. Now, I'm not talking about the occasional have a glass of wine with dinner dad or the occasional beer or two after a long Saturday at working in the yard. There's many dads out there who can have a beer, have a glass of wine uh, every now and again and be very fine with it. Alcohol is a tool. I'm not talking to those dudes or those people. I'm talking to the everyday drinker dad, the dad who knows or who doesn't know it's an issue, the dad who wants to do better and be better, the dad who wants to cut back, the dad who wants to quit but doesn't know how. I love being a sober dad. Like I said in the intro, it's challenging some days. But as many of us know, as many of us grew up, alcoholism or excessive drinking is very common in many homes. Um, not only does it affect the person who has the drinking problem, it affects the whole family, including the children, including the kids growing up. They see this stuff. Um, I'm a firsthand product of that. I haven't been shy about sharing my own, um, my own challenges and ups and downs of not only my recovery, but also, uh, if you get back into some of the earlier episodes of my childhood, And me, along with thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of other people out there, have grown up in some type of environment like that. Uh, But someone with an addiction to alcohol may be consistently intoxicated. And because of that, they could be withdrawn. They could be isolated. They could suffer from anxiety and depression. um, They could be verbally abusive, physically abusive. Uh, possessive, obsessive, and compulsive. And here's my favorite one. Don't really care for any of them, but the one that really makes a lot of sense and I think sums all those up is unpredictable. Now that said, they can also at times be fun 
They could be funny. They could be easygoing. They could be careless. They could be loving. Once again, that same word, unpredictable. If I had a lot of people ask me in other interviews that I do for podcasts, they'll say, well, what was life like growing up for you? And I always said a lot of love. You know, my, my family loved each other and we all tried the best we could, but man, it was unpredictable. You never knew what was going to happen in any moment. And most of that was fueled by alcohol. Let's define alcoholism really quick. I thought that was important too. Um, and, and let me let me just preface this by saying I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I don't have the piece of paper signed off that I went and spent thousands upon thousands of dollars uh, on uh, a formal education. But I'll tell you what I do have. I have a lot of life experience in, in dealing with and going through this stuff in myself. And that's what I share on this. So seek official medical help if you need to. That's not me. Take what I say as opinion, entertainment, advice. I don't take it as advice, actually. I take that back. The guy clearly said that to do this, Y, and Z, and that is why I have failed. No, don't don't take my advice. But who is it reading Rainbow? But don't take my word for it. One of the best shows ever. Dang it. I should have had the sample up. But in any case, let's define alcoholism. Okay, alcoholism is also known as AUD, alcohol use disorder, is a broad term for any drinking of alcohol that results in mental or physical health problems. In a medical context, and once again, I'm not a medical professional, so I'm reading this from research that I have done. Alcoholism is said to exist when two or more of the following conditions are present. A person drinks, so think about this real quick. If you're listening to this and you're wondering, how do I know if I have a problem? Or you're wondering, how do I know if my spouse has a problem? My loved one, my my husband, my son, my daughter, uh, a friend. Here's some ways you can help start to kind of peel some of that back. Alcoholism is said to exist when two or more of the following conditions are present. A person drinks large amounts of alcohol over a long period of time, has difficulty cutting back. Drinking alcohol takes up a lot of the time. They're drinking often. That's just something common in their life. Alcohol is strongly desired at all functions. Usage results in not fulfilling responsibilities. Usage results in social problems. Usage results in health problems or participating in risky situations. Withdrawals occur when stopping. And alcohol tolerance has occurred with use. So over a period of time, you build up a tolerance. It takes more and more to get intoxicated. Although, you know, the weird thing about that is I know people who have had very long drinking careers and they're, they've drank for so long, it doesn't really take much to get them intoxicated anymore. And it's not even so much intoxicated as that's who they are. So if they don't have the alcohol in them, they're one way and then as soon as they get a little bit in them it automatically changes them into the it morphs them into this super hero of alcohol <laughs> i don't know that i'm kind of making a joke out of it but i'm thinking about specific people in particularly and it's crazy to watch that personality change in a moment like that and it doesn't take a lot now the other side of the coin to that was what I read. You know, some people have a huge tolerance for it so they can actually drink a lot of alcohol and still function uh, very normally. A lot of people might not even know 
you know, that, that it's an issue. And then it said risky situations. Those can include drinking and driving, um, unsafe sex was one of the other things they put on. I mean, there's, there's think of all the risky situations you could think of what we can even say beyond risky, just doing stupid things, um, that, that don't make a lot of sense. They don't add up. Why would you do that? You probably wouldn't do that if you were sober. Uh, drinking and driving was a big one for me. Thank God. I never hurt myself, hurt anybody else, never got a DUI, but I drank and drove a lot, especially in the last, uh, you know, the last couple of years of my excelled drinking career. Uh, and that is extremely risky. How many people have you, have, have you read about or saw on the news or, or heard about, maybe you heard a personal story. Maybe, you know, somebody who had a few too many one night and drove home and either hurt somebody or killed somebody and, and they're locked up. And, and I know that's an extreme example, but that kind of stuff happens to people. And, and, you know, I was one of the lucky ones that nothing like that happened myself, anybody else, but those are definitely risky situations that we don't think about. We, Oh, I just had a couple of them tonight. I'll be cool and, and roll on home. Um, you know, that's, that's, it's just not, not a good idea. And if you look at statistics, uh, that'll tell you why. And I don't have those exactly in front of me. I probably should have brought them up, but it's too late now. I'm not going to go search for them, but I know that they're there. And I know that those statistics are not fun to look at either. How many people actually hurt other people or themselves, uh, in while using alcohol, we just had one of those, um, man, when was that? Was that last weekend somewhere? I just read about someone was coming home and they got on the, I mean, I've heard the story so many times, but just recently, I think it was down in Los Angeles area. Someone had got on the freeway going the wrong direction. Oh, it was after Halloween. That's when it was after or on Halloween night, they were out partying. They somehow got on the wrong, uh, way going on the freeway. Normal, normal person. I mean, I guess normal as can be when you make bad decisions like that. But point being, you know, I don't know the extent of their drinking career, but they were doing their thing, partying down, and they got on the, the wrong side of the freeway, went head on with uh, uh, a, a, either family or a father and a son. Uh, I know the mother was the only one that survived. So, I mean, imagine having to deal with that for the rest of your life because of one bad decision. And I'm going into this a little bit more than I intended to, but it's a sad thing. And that's why I don't care if you've had one drink or anything at all, you know, we got to be safe and we got to think about that kind of stuff and, um, and not do it. Um, other things, alcohol can affect, affect all parts of the body, but particularly, particularly affects the brain, the heart, the liver, the pancreas, and the immune system. This can result in mental illness irregular heartbeat, an impaired immune response, liver cirrhosis, and an increased cancer risk, among other things. So how do I know if I have a drinking problem? Well, I kind of addressed that in the beginning, maybe, or how do you know if your loved one has one? Well, do you notice one, two, or more of any of those things uh, that I just went over? Those are some common things right there. And it's, it's very easy to minimize. Let me tell you, I minimized for a long time. Well, no, mine's not that bad. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like, it's like a cousin to that. I only drive drunk on, uh, you know, Saturday nights after darts at the old bar, <laughs> whatever the heck it is that you do. Uh, but does you, or do, do you, or does your loved one have any of the uh, above things? That's a good way to, uh, to start on your path to figuring that out. 
Now, it's estimated that one in four children in the United States is exposed to alcohol abuse in the home. One in four children is exposed to alcohol abuse in the home. I was one of those four. Maybe you were one of those four. Maybe somebody you know was one in the four. Children of alcoholics are four times more likely to grow up to be alcoholics and have struggles with alcohol dependence, alcohol addiction, substance use disorder, whatever you want to refer to as. I get confused in it myself these days, uh, the the terminology, the verbiage, but um, they were one, uh, I'm sorry, they were four times more likely to grow up and have an alcohol problem when compared to the general population, the children of alcoholics that was. And it's estimated that 43% of Americans have a close relative. Do you have a close relative? Do you have somebody that you know close to you, a friend, a relative, an uncle, an aunt, mom, dad, brother, sister, whoever, who has an alcohol problem? 43% of Americans, that's almost half the population, have a close relative. This number also includes spouses who are alcohol dependent. So here's the question. Here's the topic of today's show. And you're probably wondering, why are we going into this without we're talking about sober dads? Well, we are. But I want to give you a little background about some of the stats and and some of what we're dealing with on a larger scale as far as children growing up in homes where alcohol is a main factor. Because I feel, and, and I, I don't just feel, I see, it's such a normalized thing in our culture, in our society. Um, it's legal. You know, there's a, there's a liquor store, there's a grocery store, there's somewhere you can buy booze on every block all over the place. And, and I'll be very clear about this. I'm not demonizing alcohol. Okay. Like I said, in the intro, there's plenty of dads out there, of, of moms out there, of people out there who know how to responsibly have a glass of wine with dinner every once in a while, celebrate on a holiday uh, have a beer here and there without it being an issue. Okay. Now there's also a lot of other people who don't know how to do that. Yours truly here. So why do our kids need a sober dad? Monkey see monkey do. How, how many times have you heard that? It's very cliche. I heard it growing up. I heard it as an adult And it's one of the first things that kept coming to mind as I sat down and started to uh, think about some of this stuff, research some of this stuff, and write some of this stuff out. Children of parents who excessively drink or are alcoholic are four times more likely to grow up to have an addiction to alcohol themselves when compared to the general population. So I think we mentioned that, but by setting a bad example, we're potentially setting them up for a pretty tough time in life. How many of us saw that growing up? We saw somebody close to us who was very consistent in their drinking career. You know, that's that's what they did. It was very normal. Our kids do what they see us do. Monkey see, monkey do. That's the saying. It's usually true. Not always, but usually. And I want to say not always because I do know some, uh, some people, you know, who did see that stuff. Uh, or exposed to a parent or to a grandparent or to a friend or just lived in a a crappy environment growing up and they went the complete opposite direction. You know, they didn't go down that path. So I always want to be fair there. It doesn't absolutely mean that the kid's going to go down that, but the chances of it, it definitely increases. 
by four, if you, according to this uh, statistic above, and I have the link to where I pulled these stats from, uh, it'll be posted in the show notes if you'd like to verify or check them out. Um, I don't ever want my kids drinking or doing drugs like I did. Now, does that mean that it's a foolproof you know, plan that they're not going to do that because I don't? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They're, they have free will. They have their own choice. But I'm going to lessen the chances as much as possible by setting a good example of my relationship with substances. And that includes sugar for me. And I'll tell you what, I don't do the best job at that right now, but at least it ain't cocaine. <laughs> at least it ain't vodka and Red Bull. Like I, what, you know what I'm saying? So I'm kind of lessening the fact and trying to make a joke out of it, but that's important too. I want my kids to see me eating as healthy as possible. I'm not saying I ain't going to have some cake every now and again, Dude, I love pumpkin pie. I'll crush a whole pumpkin pie this Thanksgiving and Christmas and in between with a bunch of whipped cream on it. I love that stuff. But it's all about in moderation, right? Whether we're talking about pumpkin pie or whether you're talking about somebody who can responsibly have a beer. And that's the issue here. That's the issue. Setting good examples, talking to our kids about this kind of stuff, about setting boundaries, about the relationship with food, drugs, alcohol, all that stuff, okay? And obviously, there's a time and a place for that too, depending on age, where we're at, all that stuff. But I watched my father drink as a kid my whole life. It's all I can remember. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything that anyone else doesn't know. That's a whole separate thing in itself. I'm not going to get into it in this episode. I love my dad. He's doing the best he can. I said I would never drink. Okay, I said, after watching him, I said, I'm never going to do that. I remember clearly me and my homies on Newport Circle and Summerfield Drive talking about that as kids, probably 11, 12, right around there, you know, 13 even. Man, we're never going to smoke. We're never going to drink. We'll never do that stuff. And, and you know, by, by the age of about 15, I was starting to smoke and drink. And by the age of 32, I was on my way to rehab for a 17-year alcohol and drug addiction, right? Like, that's crazy right there. But I watched, I saw growing up. I'm not placing blame right now either. I had a choice. I chose the path that I chose. That's on me. But was there influence there? Sure there was. I think a lot of it was subconscious even. We're, we get things ingrained in us. And, not, you know, my homie Shane and I, the two Shanes, Went on a nice walk early this morning. We walked up Wyckoff, and Shane's a great dude. I know he listens to the show sometimes. Got mad love for that guy, and we have some good chats. and And, and we were walking, we were walking up this morning, and uh, we were kind of talking about that, about the freedom of choice. We have free choice on that, and I totally just lost my train of thought now too. I had another point that that I was going to say. Um, was it the blame thing? Was it the choice? Was it on me? I can't remember now. I totally lost it. And I hope it comes back to me because uh, we had a good chat this morning. Anyways, hey, shout out to Shane, my homie. Love you, brother. But I don't think it's a coincidence that I have an addiction problem and the fact that I was exposed to that stuff as a kid. Oh, that's what we were talking about. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I remember. We were talking about unwinding 
Like a lot of this stuff is not about learning. It's about unlearning. I've had some good conversations with my buddy TJ Woodward on the podcast about that too. Cause he talks a lot about that. He, uh, he has a couple books out and is the creator of conscious recovery, but there's a lot there that talks about unlearning stuff. The things we learned as a kid, some of them very subconscious that are ingrained in our minds. How do we unlearn those things? Number one, how do we recognize them first, right? How do we acknowledge them? And then how do we start to unwind that ball, that spider web of stuff that a lot of the time we don't even know existed? You know, but but back to the people say, well, that's a coincidence or that just happens sometimes. I don't think it's a coincidence that I have and uh, an addiction problem, you know, to the fact that that's a lot of what I saw growing up, the unpredictability, a lot of crazy stuff going on, um, and the normalcy bias of alcohol being around as a kid. And that's not just from my family. I'm just talking about in general too. Just it's very normal. It's a very normalized thing to drink. So monkey see, monkey do, right? We're coming back to that again. We're coming back to the subconscious thing. I was conditioned to think, to act, to feel a certain way without even knowing it a lot of the time. I didn't realize it. But I think for me, at some point towards the end, I wanted to change. I wanted more out of life and I got some help. And in turn, I broke the generational curse of alcoholism from my family, from my kids. So what is the takeaway here? Your kids are watching. Your kids are watching. My kids are watching me. And and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that in just a second here. But they're watching everything we do. A lot of the time, we're their idols. My, My son... You know, I feel like he thinks I'm Superman and I love that. You know, I love that about my boy, you know, same with my daughter, you know, but I think it's a little bit different for, you know, for my son being that he's a boy, he idolizes his dad and he watches everything I do. So be the dad you wish you had, you know, if you're contemplating out there, man, I really want to cut back, you know, a lot of everyone's situation is different. I'm not saying that because somebody's drinking too much, they're necessarily an alcoholic. It doesn't mean that. Only you know the extent of what you're going through, what you need to get help for, how bad it is, how deep it is. Um, You know, that's on you. But all I'm saying is, as being a father, you know, for a couple of years when I was still drinking and and doing drugs to being a a sober father, now it's like night and day. And I want to be the dad that I wish I had growing up. And I hate to say that. I don't, I'm not trying to throw my, my dad under the bus. He did the best he could and he did a lot of he did a lot of things that I'm I'm sure um he regrets to today. I don't know. Maybe not. But I know he loved us, okay, without trying to make this thing about me and, and my own personal experience too much. But I want to be the dad that I, I wish that I had. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later because that sounds kind of like I'm pushing it off. I feel like I'm placing some blame and I'm not, I've worked through a lot of that stuff and I continue to do so. And I think it's a good point and I wanted to address it. So we'll do that in just a minute. But first 
Oh, no, I already did that. I was going to do our sponsor plug again, but we'll give a little love to Clean Cause again. <laughs> I had it on the show notes here once again down, but I'm going to take a quick drink because my, my throat's tightening up a little bit. I'm drinking the sparkling blackberry at the time. Let me get a little water out of the old Yeti here too. I got one of the new Yetis. It's a... Well, I don't know that it's new, the, the design. It's new to me. I had one of the ones, it's probably a 32-ounce cup with the straw. Love that thing, man. You'd fill it up. Ice would last for like two days. Jess and the kids got me this new one, and it's got a top on it that you screw on, and then it's got the little mouthpiece thing that you kind of flip up, and you can drink out of that. I dig it. It's cool. I think I may go back to getting... Um, the straw one, just because it's easier to put the ice in. But you know the one thing I noticed? I don't know if I got a bunk Yeti or what. The ice doesn't last as long as it used to. So I'm going to... Anyone else experience that? I'm just curious. The ice does not last as long. And if I'm paying $40 or whatever for for a water cup, I want the ice to last long. Yet, yet you know what? If I'm paying $40... For a, this, this damn cup here, I want the ice to last. I tell you what. <laughs> there I go with the voice again. But right, I mean, I can grab a, a cup out of the cupboard if I want the ice to melt. I'm, inv- I'm This is an investment. This is an investment into this Yeti. Okay, I got my piece about the Yeti. I still love Yeti, by the way. They're, they're great. Great products. Great products there. <laughs> so why does your kid need a sober dad? Why does your kid need a sober dad? To learn how to do burpees, of course, right? To learn how to do burpees. What did I just say? Our kids want to be just like us. Now, does my does my son see me come home every day? Does my daughter see me come home every day? Come through the door, crack a beard, sit down on the couch. A long day. I'm not doubting that many men, including myself, and definitely depending on what you do for a living, Some jobs are more physical than others. You're tired. You're tired. You're exhausted. The last thing you want to do is talk or deal with chaos, kids, even though you love them. I'm not saying that there's not love for the family, but you're tired. Now, does my son see me do that every day? Come home, walk through the door, crack a beer, and sit my ass on the couch? No. Or does my son see me come home every day, a long day, come through the door? Maybe I need to burn off a little steam. It's a long day. Does he see me put my running shoes on and go for a jog instead? Not only does a good workout help you physically, it also helps you mentally and emotionally as well. And I'm not playing the game here as I'm better than you or you're better than me or someone's better than other because I'm just pointing these things out. So let me be clear about that. This is... This is real stuff. Monkey see, monkey do. Back to the first point. Does he see me hanging with the fellas in the garage all the time, drinking beers, talking BS all the time? You know, that's what we do. We kick it all the, you know. That, does he see that? Does she see that, my son or my daughter? Or, or do they see me going to meet with the guys from men's group talking about how we can be better husbands, how we can be better fathers, how we can be, be how we can be better men of God, how we can serve others better, how we can serve our families better, how we can just be better. We can always be better. We can always try harder. And by doing that, I love saying this, 
We do that by surrendering. And, and, and we'll get into that a little bit in the conclusion today. How do I surrender? I don't know that I have the answer for that, by the way, either, but I know it works. I was at the gym one day a few weeks back getting my sweat on, of course, because that's what I do. I sweat at the gym. That's what you should do. Sweat. It feels good. Cash comes with us uh, to the gym a lot of the time. He'll hang out. He's got a little buddy, a little buddy that rolls over there with him, meets us there. And so they color, they they play, play catch. There's a football there, throwing the football around. They get on their iPads and play their little games. They hang out while we're getting our workout on. And every once in a while, there's other things that, that Cash will do. And one day, not too long ago, I was doing burpees. Man, I was sweating. Oh, man, burpees suck. Depends how you look at it, though. Do they suck or are they are they good? Depends what kind of mindset you're in. Like, we were running like crazy the other day, and I, I was so tired, man, and I remember just yelling out, I'm so grateful I have legs that I can run on. <laughs> just, like, completely exhausted. But it's about perspective. You got to do that sometimes just so you can get through. You know, and that's good training for serious times when, Life throws us some stuff that we don't know how to deal with. But in any case, getting off off the off the initial point here, I'm doing the burpees and I look over and what do I see? I see Cash. Five-year-old Cashy boy copying his dad. Monkey see, monkey do. He's doing burpees. He's picking up a barbell. He's doing push-ups. And man, that felt so good. He would have never saw that six years ago when I was a drunk dad. Partly because he wasn't born yet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Got to throw one of those in there. But partly because I only talked about what I wanted to do back in the day. I talked a lot about what I was going to do, what I wanted to do. I never did it. When I was drinking, you know when I was going to do burpees? Or you know when I was going to go on a run? Or when I was going to do a push-up or when I was going to be a good example for my kids or when I was going to start a business or start a podcast or when I was going to start a band or when I was going to see a counselor for my marriage or when I was going to look for a new job because I, I hated the one that I had at the time or when I was going to quit drinking. You know when I was going to do all that? I was going to do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to start that band tomorrow. I'm going to look for a new job tomorrow. I'm going to, you know what? We need to get some counseling for our marriage. This is really tough. I don't, I don't know how to be a good dad. I don't know how to be a good husband. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it tomorrow as I sit there and peel back, you know, my 17th Mickey's or whatever. I, I, you know, I don't think I ever got to 17, maybe occasionally those Mickey's wide mouths, man, those will do it to you. Trying to figure out the puzzle on the cap about six deep following all that. I think I put a ball in the box and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? Those of you who slammed some Mickeys back in the day. But I was that's I was gonna do everything tomorrow. I was gonna do it tomorrow. And then guess what? Tomorrow would come and I'd still be drinking. And I'd do nothing. And then a week would go by and I'd still be drinking. Then a month would go by, and then a year would go by. And I'd do none of it, and I'd still be drinking. Haven't saw a counselor. Haven't looked for the new job. Haven't started a podcast. Haven't done a push-up. Haven't done a burpee. I'm fat and out of shape and, and pissed off at the world. I mean, that's, I hate my job. That is what it got to for me by the end. You know, I was in the same place a year later 
that I said I was going to fix tomorrow. This is why your kids need a sober dad. They need a dad who takes action. They need a dad who says he's going to do something. He's going to do it that they can rely on a dad who leads by example. And let me state this, not a perfect dad. I am so far from a perfect dad. I am the least thing furthest from a perfect dad. I'm a much better, much better dad though today since I gave that crap up, since I started putting in work on being a better father, a better husband, better person. I have to put the work into that and I got to want to do it. Nobody could tell you, nobody could tell me, hey, you need to do this. You know what? I, I, this is a great example here too. Someone told me a while back I needed to quit cursing. You're, if you're going to do if you're gonna do X, Y, and Z, you're going to need to cut that out on the podcast. And I already knew that that was true at the time, but, no, but nobody was going to tell me what to do. You ain't telling, I ain't doing that. You know, it has to happen when the time is right. And, and you know, God's doing some work in me now where I'm starting to work on that. My language, how I talk to people, anger, uh, frustration, the words that come out of my mouth are weapons. You know, how, how I don't need to drop F-bombs every other word to get my point across. You know, and it's it's not about me saying, hey, I'm I'm better than you now because I don't curse anymore. I still do sometimes. I'm just trying to work on it and be conscious of it. Okay, and the only reason I'll bring this up because it's the same concept, the same analogy. You can take it and apply it to being a dad. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to do my best to stay fit mentally, physically, emotionally, all that stuff. If your kids see you being active and bettering yourself and serving others and serving their mother and serving God in not bringing alcohol and drugs around, I mean, they're going to be just like you. They're going to attempt to be just like you. Is that gonna, does that mean they're going to be exactly like you? No, they got free will. They have their free choice. But like I said before, I'm going to give them every opportunity possible to lessen those chances of going down that path in a society, in a culture where it's glorified, it's praised, it's made to look as cool, being, you know, doing drugs, drinking, partying, that kind of stuff, I don't want that for my children. I don't want that for my kids. And I at least want to give them a shot to have the knowledge, the wisdom, the experience, the the example to make that choice for themselves. And I hope and pray to God that they make the right choice. So why else do your kids need a sober dad? Well, maybe you didn't have one. Maybe you didn't have a sober dad. Now, I know this doesn't apply to everyone, right? But how many of you listening out there right now didn't have a sober dad? Do you ever think that, man, what would have been like if I had a sober dad? Would have been different? What, what about this? What we, we could have done that. I wouldn't have done this. All those thoughts are normal, by the way. I do too. I've, I've you know... We're right here right now, and this is right where we're supposed to be, whether we like it or not. And the faster we recognize that and surrender to it, the faster we can move ahead and start being the men of God that we're supposed to be, that God designed us to be, instead of going, what if? 
You know, what if my dad did this? What if he did that? The blame game, the victim mentality. I didn't have a good role model. I didn't have anyone to lead me. Like my, like my buddy, Pastor Tim said in a different podcast that we did recently, he said, that's a cop out straight to the point. I asked him that question. What about if you didn't have a good role model growing up? He said, that's a cop out. And I went, I guess you're right. <laughs> Don't disqualify yourself because you didn't have a good role model. Don't disqualify yourself because you didn't have a good role model. I wanted to share a quick story with you. And then we're going to wrap this thing up shortly. But I was complaining about my dad one day to Buddy. I think I was walking one day. We meet on Thursdays, every Thursday morning, pretty much every Thursday. Some some things happen sometimes. I actually just spaced the one last week, I think I mentioned, just because there was so much crap going on. But for the most part, we meet weekly and we have great conversations about life and recovery. And I can't begin to say how much it's helped me working with Buddy. So big love to him and thank you. Um, we, had, we were having a conversation one day and I was complaining. My dad this. And my, I, what about, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I was complaining. I was pissed off. You know, I was working myself all up. And I remember, I remember, um, something along the lines, buddy saying, well, what's your part in this, Shane? What's your part in this? And I went, well, how can my, how can I, so I want, I want you to think about something out there listening right now. If somebody's done something to you, that has hurt you or broke you or made you upset or you haven't been able to forgive them. It may be a, a, something very serious to something that's kind of goofy. You're just having a hard time getting over it. How can you ask yourself, what is your part in this, right? It seems counterintuitive. And that's one of the things we've been talking about lately too, is the everything is counterintuitive because we're taught certain things at certain times in our lives. And a lot of the time they're not right or they don't make sense, or we're taught to do things one way, I'm supposed to push, 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 instead of surrender, you know? And so I had to ask myself, I was complaining, my dad this, my dad that, and he said, well, what's your part in this? And I said, well, I don't, what do you mean? And I remember as clear as day, he goes, you know what? Your dad will never live up to your expectations, and that's your problem. <laughs> and I said, dude, kind of like a slap in the face right there, right? I thought I was the victim. I thought I was the one that had gone through this and gone through that growing up and I didn't have a fair shot. I think a lot of us in 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 our lives look at life like that. And that's, you know, that's a whole nother topic of discussion right there on a society and culture issue, the victim mentality that is imposed on us and a lot of us are programmed to think. We're not victims. God gave us free will. God gave us a choice. You know, but Buddy said, you'll never live up to your expectations. And I went, man, I, I guess, I guess you're right. You know, he's doing the best he can. He did the best he can. Do I think it was perfect or great? Or is there things maybe I would do different? Sure, but that's my opinion. You know, do I need to walk around with the big V on my head for victim anymore? No. I don't need to do that. That was a turning point for me in that moment. And then you know what he said? He said, how about all the men, all the good men that God has put in your life to help fulfill the gaps that your father can't fill? And how about on top of that, how about God the Father 
who was put into your life since the day you were born to fulfill every single need that you have in this life. How about that? And I went, wow. Yeah. Got a point there, buddy. <laughs> I know buddy's probably loving this right now too. I'm making him sound like a, like a wizard, but he is, he's got some good stuff, man. He's, he's got his own walk and his own things he's been through and his own work that he does. And I love that. And that's why it's important to have a mentor, to have a sponsor, have a pastor, have a friend, whatever that looks like for you. And you can have multiple. I have multiple. I have a couple pastors. I have a, a sponsor. I have a friend. I have a mentor. I have all that stuff, man. It's a, it's an artillery of weapons and tools to fight. Right. And I got God right at the top of that, but it's all about the perspective on that. It's all about acceptance in that moment. It's all about forgiveness. It's about not playing the victim. So I'll never be perfect. I'll never be a perfect father to my son, but I'm going to try as hard as I can to be the best dad I can be regardless if I think I didn't have the best role model or the best father growing up. And you should too. Don't disqualify yourself because you didn't have a good role model. It's a cop-out and you have a choice to stand up and put in work. Do you, I don't know if for those of you who've listened to the show for a long time, I used to have a thing up in my office and I, I need to find it and put it back up or I guess just create a new one. It was just a s- simple little note card and it said, put in work, put in work. Now I got to dive into that and I don't have time to do it a little bit. It doesn't mean push. It doesn't mean try so hard that you can't handle life, but it means we got to show up. And and my, my favorite, my favorite thing, one of my favorite things is just show up and God will do the rest. Show up to the meeting, show up to the men's group, show up to the meeting with your sponsor, show up for your family every day, show up to church, show up to your men's group. Did I already say that? I don't know. Show up wherever, show up to your work. Of course, show up. Don't set expectations. Show up to being a sober dad. Or at least if it's not something that you think that it needs to go full blown and just, you need you're, you know, because I know there's, like I said, there's a lot of different levels of it. Maybe it's just something your dude is listening to this or you know someone listening to this who just wants to cut back. Show up to being a dad who takes responsibility for actions and says, hey, I need to cut back a little bit on this tool of alcohol I've been relying on to deal with life because there's many, many other outlets out there that are healthy from burpees to men's groups, to mentors, to anything, name it. There's a whole list of them. All right. I'm not going down them again, but they're out there and you got to just show up. Kind of take a breath on that one, man. I know this was a serious one today, but man, I, I, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling what I'm feeling, you know, and I hope something spoke to you today. I think if we wrap this thing up and, and try to put a, it's definitely not a neat little bow, but maybe we'll put a bow on it. Did I just say a neat little bow? Oh man. Why I, you know, it's like every podcast now I find myself saying these things that I never, ever thought I would say like neat little bow, please don't ever let me say neat little bow ever again. That's the last time I will say neat little bow. Okay. Why do our kids need a sober dad? 
Excessive use of alcohol robs us of the opportunity to be the men, the husbands, and the fathers that God intended us to be, plain and simple. Our kids need to see us as leaders of the house. They need to see us treating our wives, their mothers, of course, with respect and honoring them, treating our own mothers with respect and honoring them, our fathers with respect and honoring them. They need to see us putting in work to be better, just showing up. They need to see us. Monkey see, monkey do. They also need us to recognize when we screw up. They need to see us admit to it. Say we're sorry. Hey, bud. Sorry, dad got a little upset right there. It's my fault. It's not going to happen again. And it might happen again. I'm not going to lie and say I haven't said that before. Got upset before. I'm going to try harder next time, though. I'm going to try harder. And they see that. They soak that stuff in. We can sit and tell our kids stuff all day. But it's what they see is what they do. Dads are the backbone of the family. And we all need to step up and recognize it. We need to put in the work every day to be better. And here's the kicker. Here is the kicker. We do this by surrendering 100% to God and allowing God to work through us by serving others, starting with our families and outward from there. You can do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Do your best. Just show up.